0: Hey Life Canton! my name is Franz and I'm the Director of Engagement and in Groups. We're so glad that you're joining us today, whether you're online or you're in person. We want to help you get plugged in here, so be sure to head over to our now page and fill out a connect card. If you need prayer, if you're interested in serving, or if you have any questions about joining a life group, that's how you're going to let us know. This week's going to be a treat. This service was all about positioning ourselves to encounter God, and because we had such a special service, we decided to include a majority of it in the podcast. So we hope that you encounter God as you listen to Pastor Nathan bring another message about Timothy 2 for our summer series.
1: Take away all the other idols till there's nothing left that sounds easy. That's not. Because idols is what you place your confidence in. And God's going to take those things away so that he's the only thing left. That's a hard song to sing, but you just did. So you committed to that. Today is great. Today is going to be good and help you encounter Jesus a little bit more. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want you to encounter Jesus, but I want you to reclaim your identity in Jesus. I want you to reclaim the identity he gave for you, and I also want you to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love, and that doesn't come unless there's transformation. So today, today is about transformation. You can have a seat. I hope you're ready because God did some cool things in the first service, and I know he's going to do some incredible things here with you today uh, because we're ready for it. We're looking forward to it. For those who just came in, uh, again, my name is Nathan, and I want to get to know you. And I, the best way you can do that to take your next step as part of this group of people or to explore uh, is to fill out a Connect card. So there's going to be a QR code that pops up in just a second. And what you do with that is you pull your phone out and you point it at the screen. I know that looks kind of uncool, but you do that. And uh, then it takes you right into a place where you can connect with us. There's also Connect cards on your seat. C- well, France would love to get to know you and help you take your next step in your journey. Now, my name is Nathan. If you've been coming for the last five weeks, you're like, who's this guy? He hasn't been here. Uh, that's because I've been on sabbatical. Now, what is a sabbatical? Well, it happens in the academic world and it happens in the church world and other places, but a sabbatical is a period of time of rest, relaxation, resetting, and really focused time on refreshing both intellectually, physically, spiritually, and mentally, and uh, I went on a sabbatical this year, and I'll be going on a sabbatical every year for 30 days uh, because of the leadership team. The leadership team said, get out of here. We don't want you here anymore. No, that's not what happened. The leadership team, who you may not know, is the people who are you. They're elected by our partners, and their job is to set the vision for the church, but also to keep me accountable and to take care of me. So I want to thank the leadership team for doing that, as they have determined it is best for the spiritual health of our entire church, including you, that I be healthy, that I be well, and that I be in a good state of mind, which yeah. seems to be the case. Thank you. So thank you, leadership team. Um, I want to share a vision that I got during that time for you. Do not worry. Some of you are part of context that the point of sabbatical is for the pastor to go away and get new vision, uh, to rest, and come back and give everybody else work to do. That is not <laughs> this case. Uh, this is a vision of encouragement, I think a vision of presence, and it goes right along with the vision for our church and our code. And I want to share that with you in just a bit. But I have another group I want to thank. And the group I want to thank is our staff here, who um, worked while I was gone the entire time and did an absolutely phenomenal job. And so I want to actually thank them um, for the hard work. Man, they they took uh, a lot of initiative while I was gone, and it was incredible to come back and see how God is using them as leaders. And I can't wait for you to experience that as well. But I also missed five sermons which is a lot of sermons. So I listened to all of the sermons uh, at two times speed in one sitting. That's a lot. It was a lot. There was a lot going on. It was great. It was. En- I was encouraged. There was so much good stuff. I encourage you to go back and listen to them. Like, I was overwhelmed. I'm like, this is great stuff, guys, especially the last one with Elrita Dodds. That was amazing. Not only that, uh, I had to slow it down because two times speed with her was way too fast. I was sitting here like, Don't blink, right? Like, she's going. And man, I got fired up. I don't know about you. Did you guys get fired up? Did you listen to it? No? Because if you didn't, you need to go back. It was incredible. Not only who she is and the fact that she was on our stage preaching to us, but also the message of standing the ground so fit our series on Second Timothy. In Second Timothy, we see that there's this flame. That continues to grow. It continues to expand. And it comes from this entire series as we're going verse by verse through second Timothy, uh, on verse one or chapter one, verse six, which says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is a letter from Paul to Timothy. This is a letter that is all about Fanning into flame what? This gift. This Holy Spirit inspiration. And so for us, I want you to know that I want you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. And if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have that gift, but know that God is working on you, and he wants to give you a gift of fire and passion and excitement. So thank you, Elrita Dodds, for getting us excited and for keeping on task with this series of where we are going. Today, I want to expand on what she was speaking about by starting where she ended in 2 Timothy 3.15. What's going on in 2 Timothy 3.15 is Paul is reminding Timothy that he had a firm foundation in his mother and his grandmother, and because of that, things changed for him. He grew up in the Hebrew faith, and then his mother, grandmother, and him, and the people who are with him followed the scriptures to Jesus. And so on verse uh, 15, 3.15, if you could have that up, please. 2 Timothy 3.15, there we go. And how from infancy, you, Timothy, have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. I love that phrase. See, the word sets you up to be saved. It allows you to have the wisdom and the way of thinking to what? To see Jesus Christ, to have faith in him. And that is what happened with Timothy. And that is where we are ended. But Paul, as always, build on and on and on. And he adds another verse to this. And he says this in verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is an incredible passage, these two verses. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to cover everything in here, but I want to take it back to verse 16 and highlight two of these little sections. First, all scripture. All scripture all scripture. He talked about the holy scriptures in verse 15. Now he's talking about all scripture. Now, what is he talking about? Jared used this trick pastors have, where they ask a question about, what do you think this word all means? And then everyone's supposed to say, what? He goes, it means all, right? It's this trick we use to make you laugh. Uh, You didn't laugh that time, but I get it. It's okay. But in this case, this all, don't mean all. What do I mean? I mean that all Scripture up until this point is not this book that we have here in its entirety, but the Old Testament alone, that they didn't have the New Testament. I mean, it'd be kind of weird if they had the New Testament, because the letters that's in the New Testament is the one that they just received. You see, that doesn't make sense. What's going on in the Scriptures, he's saying that all of the Old Testament is useful for rebuking and teaching and correcting, but not only that, to lead you to Jesus. This is Important that we understand that. Now, I've seen this verse right here, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching as a way to convince people who don't believe in the efficacy of the scripture, the, the ability for the scripture to transform us, as a way of saying, like, no, this is all truth. Say, see, this book says that this book is all truth. And they use it as, a, like, a, a circular argument. Like, that's a little bit weird. Like, uh, if we believed everything that says it's truth, uh, as truth, then we would believe everything that is on the internet. Does everybody believe that everything is on the internet? Thank you, two of you. Like, like, man, I'm terrified. That makes a lot more sense. Like, no, no, we don't. We don't. There has to be some kind of way of backing it up. And don't get me wrong. The Bible has truth. It is truth. It is full of truth. But that's not his point in what he's writing at this very moment. He's saying something profound. He's saying something important. He is saying that the Old Testament... It's knock, the Jewish Bible, which is what Timothy and his grandmother and mother raised him on. Do you know what that is? It is able to lead to Jesus. Now, this is crucial. This is important. This is powerful. Now, I want to do something for a little bit of perspective here. Uh, this right here, right about here, right about here, this, you know what this is? This is the New Testament. That's tiny. This is the Old Testament. Oh man! Did I just blow somebody's mind? They don't even think about that. You got to read your Bible more. But like, it's all good. It's all good. This is huge. This is powerful. This moment, it matters. Now, how do we get this? Then, how do we get this? Well, the letter you we're reading right through and it is God's word, and it is all of these things. It all is inspired and everything like that. But it didn't really exist in this form until when. 397 A.D. What does that mean? That means almost 400 years after Jesus was born. So this book, it is a library of all of these different curated works, poetry and biographies and, and letters and, and wisdom literature and, and oh my gosh, it's beautiful. But it was compiled over a millennia. And at this point, all they had was the Tanakh, which is the Jewish Bible, which they just call the Bible, and we call ours the Christian Bible. Because later it was put all together. This is speaking about the Tanakh. Now listen, if the Old Testament, this is what Paul is clearly saying, the Old Testament, just the Old Testament, which doesn't have the actual name of Jesus Christ in it, is able to give you wisdom for salvation, is able to lead to Jesus. Oh man, I have some questions. I have some questions and hopefully you do too. If this Bible wasn't put together until 400 years later. I have some questions, and you should have some questions too. My first question is, if the Old Testament could lead to Jesus, why did most of the Jewish leaders not receive salvation? And up to this very day, do not recognize the Messiah that they were looking for. It didn't lead them to Jesus. In fact, the Pharisees Oh, man, they didn't like Jesus at all. And the Sadducees and the Zealots, they completely blanked because they didn't do what he was supposed to do. And the high priests and the scholars, the people who are in these words, the original words, the Hebrew, they knew it. They actually had to memorize all of it. They had it down pat. And yet, they didn't just miss Jesus, they killed him. Ooh, I got some questions. And, The other question I have, what was going on in that 400 years, about 350 years, we'll give it that, 350 years between Jesus' ascension and this book being put together? How did the Christian faith survive almost 400 years without the Christian Bible? Those are the questions that I have. Don't get me wrong. The biographies of Jesus were around the letters from some of his disciples, but they also had the letters from a disciple, this one right here, who who used to like kill them. So it's a bit odd and weird. They had them and they had many others. But my question still remains, how did they persist? Have you thought about 400 years and what changes in 400 years? So much changes in 400 years. For perspective and just technology wise, 400 years ago, we didn't have railways. We didn't have steam engines. We didn't have widely used electricity. We didn't have cars, of course, or electric cars or batteries. Forget cell phones. Forget regular phones, corded phones, you know, the ones that we used to do this with, you know. Uh, we didn't even have a telegraph 200 years ago. Do you know what a telegraph is? It's a thing that goes like, dee, 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 dee. that was like something that we would send signals. We, we, we couldn't even send information long distances. Bro, we didn't even have light bulbs until 1879. Like 400 years ago was a long time ago. No sliced bread, no TV, no nothing, no internet, no flight, no space. Well, we had space. We just couldn't get there. Uh, No satellites, no computers. Man, I'm starting to actually question how the Christian faith survived without any of those things, much less 400 years ago. What about thousands of years ago? Have you thought about that? It spread across the entire globe without this thing put together the way it is. Before a tweet, a video, a telephone, no printing press to mass produce, nothing. And yet, it spread. In fact, it didn't just survive. I'm making it seem like, oh, it was just barely made it until we had this. Then once we had this, we arrived. No, we had this because there were problems and we needed to put it together and all that. And God worked in that process and inspired. Don't give me here what I'm not saying there. But it didn't just survive. It thrived. The greatest growth of Christianity in all of human history across the globe was during this period. So what is going on? How did a whole religious group miss him? And how did it survive without this? It's already in there. What we just read. 2 Timothy 3:16. All scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. That word only occurs in the Bible once, and it's crucial that we understand this word. It didn't actually exist in the Latin that it was translated to. Later, they had to make up a word for it. This word, God breathed, is the word that we have for inspiration. Inspiration. In fact, inspiration, which is a word you know. Oh, I got inspired to cook that cake. You know, I got inspired to do this. I got inspired. You know, you heard that. Well, it originally never meant anything other than God designed, God inspired. What it meant, come down to is that God breathed it out, and you breathed it in. It's this beautiful in and out. See, this word, theonostos, is the word for God breathed and breathed in. It's a word that we have for pneuma. You ever heard of that word pneuma? That means the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God breathing out. This is the answer. You're like, wait, I don't understand. How is this the answer? This is the answer to these questions. The etymology, the history of the word inspiration is to breathe out, to blow upon, to excite, to inflame. It's this divine gift. Its counterpart in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, is ruach, which was supposed to sound like what it means to breathe. It sounds like how I snore, but, you know, that's what it meant, ruach. And it was how God breathed in life into the people that he created. This is this breathing in and breathing out. And you're like, I still don't get it. How does this have to do with answering those questions? See, God breathed into the scriptures, the Old Testament the new and as he breathed into it and divinely inspired it it something changed and something happened see often when we think of inspiration we think of the word of god and we think how god used people to write it and he inspired it and did all of these things and it's it's perfect don't don't hear me saying when i'm not but we think it was about getting these letters and these words and these paragraphs and these punctuations in the right order to get it on the page in the right order, so that once it is on the page in the right order and you read it in the right order, in the right way, that you would know what you need to know. Except if that was true, then all of the best Jewish scholars in the world wouldn't have missed Jesus, and yet they did. See, we call Messianic Jews those who follow Jesus, but all of them are Messianic, and what I mean by that is they're all waiting for the Messiah. And if the inspiration was just about getting the words in the right order, then they wouldn't have missed it. See, inspiration is about an active process. God breathed into the word of God, and it is breathing and alive and active. And if we had to have the words in the right order, in the exact right books, in the right place, like our New Testament, if that was the case, if that was all that was to it, then Christianity wouldn't survive after 400 years. See, there is something else going on. It is an active movement of God in the scriptures and in us that he is breathing it out and we are breathing it in. It wasn't just inspired past tense once, but is currently inspired and breathing now. And it's able to lead us to salvation in Jesus. Why is this crucial for you to understand today? Why is this so important? Because my fear My fear is that we haven't been reading the word of God, we haven't been praying, we haven't been praising God with this understanding of the breath of God as he breathes out and we breathe in. See, the sabbatical was designed for me to breathe in the presence of God, to remove all of the distractions. I didn't get an email, I didn't get a phone call, I didn't get a text from work, I didn't do any of that. I also didn't spend any time on social media, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Maybe never doing social media again is a good thing. Like, I I actually think it is. But I removed that. All I could, I couldn't watch TV. I I chose not to watch movies. I chose all this. All I could do was read the Bible, read a book, uh, and listen to worship music and pray. And I spent this time, why? So that I could discipline myself to make myself experience something. No, just so I could get quiet enough to be in the presence of God, to breathe him in, and to breathe him out, breathe him in, and breathe him out. And it was good. And somewhere along the uh, line, I was in this time of prayer. And I want to share you a little bit of the vision that I had. But if you want to know, I was listening to this song by Brandon Lake. It's called Lion. It's off an Elevation album come out a little while ago. It's this beautiful song. And it starts off talking about who God is. He says, God of Jacob, right? Old Testament, Tanakh, the great I am. Moses, Old Testament. King of angels, may your glory be known. And the song talks about the Lion of Judah. It actually says, hail, hail, Lion of Judah. Let the lion roar. What's he talking about? The Lion of Judah is talking about Jesus. It's talking about God. It's talking about this power that will come and will make all things right. He's referring to who God is. And so there's this image of him saying, "Like, hail, hail, Lion of Judah. Let him, let him roar. I love lions. I love it. It's, it's part of some of my early email addresses it had lions in them and all that. And my first tattoo was of a lion roaring. It's this one right here. It's, it's you know it's small. It's, it's big. Is this a big one right here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, listen. Uh, I got this tattoo, and 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 some of you students are going to be like, hey, look, he's got a tattoo. I should be able to get a tattoo. I'm like, yeah, you should. You should probably. Uh, you should probably wait till I uh Till as long as I did before you get a tattoo, which was thirty. So I was 30 years old with my first tattoo. So parents, you can tell your children, you can wait until you're 30. (laughs) Pastor Nathan said, wait until you're 30. All right? I don't want to get you in trouble. I'll help you out there. I'll help you out. But this lion roaring is something that's just been in my heart. And it wasn't just me. C.S. Lewis, his famous series, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, had to talk about, uh, presented God as Aslan. He was a lion. And it was talking about how good he was. And it was about him coming back and changing things. And there was all this imagery. But one of my favorite quotes from it is when someone was like, ooh, he's he's a lion? I mean, is he safe? Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver, he says, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I love this idea about God and this power. Well, anyways, Brandon is playing the song, and he's singing, and this imagery hits me. And as I'm praying and I'm breathing in the presence of God, I have kind of this this vision of it. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing this lion, and I know it's God, and he's looking out over his entire world. And there's just power and presence, and it's just a beautiful thing. And he starts to to roar. And it's this back and forth movement. And it's, it's like it, like creation warps when he, he roars. There's so much power to it. And I'm in his presence. And he's speaking over me. And I'm physically overwhelmed by this process. And I want to read to you a portion of what I wrote after. It says this. The maker and the unmaker has spoken. His roar like thunder rolls over me, and the power was so incredible that I expected in the moment to be undone. And instead, layers of grief, of burden, of rage, of disappointment that had been hanging like black rags over me were unmade, heavy chains like weights dragging me into the ground forged link by link by the lies of the enemy about who I am and what other people say, tempered in the nightmares of destruction and despair and depression, disintegrate when the words of truth roll through my being. When the Lion of Judah roars, the liar cannot even draw breath because the very air he tries to draw in is made from the atmosphere that the God of all truth spoke into being. When the words of truth are uttered by the one who spoke the world into being, lies cease to be. And I was left shaking in this encounter of God, this moment where I felt the force, maybe just a tiny bit, maybe like Moses who turned his face away. I felt like I just experienced a moment of this breath as it just remade me. I pushed away all the brokenness, that roar, that intake, that out. That is what it means to be God breathed. So when I say that scripture is God breathed, it's breathed like that. It's spoken into being by the person who spoke you into being. And it is more powerful and we should be more reverent in it, but we should also be overwhelmed by it. When it comes down to, it comes down to this, we must breathe in God's presence. And why the Pharisees missed it is because they did not breathe in the presence of God. They had the words, but they weren't looking for the maker inside of them and letting it breathe in inside of them. And it's the same reason why the church persisted without this put together the way it is. Why? Because it was breathed in by the Spirit of God. They listened to the Holy Spirit. They processed what God was saying, but they let themselves be overwhelmed. Man, we need to uh, breathe in his presence, or I wrote it this way, we must breathe in God's presence like this. (sighs) And sometimes we also need to just breathe in God's presence. We just, ah, and we breathe. The early church, they relied on the pneuma of God, the pneuma of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God, the spirit that is inside of you, the one that we're trying to fan into flame. That is what they relied on. They had the Old Testament. They had biographies of Jesus from his disciples. They had letters, but overarching all of that, they had the Spirit of God, the Ruach of of God. And it was evidenced in their life by spiritual gifts. So they submitted to the same Spirit that inspired, I'm using that word on purpose, inspired Moses and the prophets who gave songs of praise to David and visions to Daniel that sustained him through the lion's den and through the tricks of man. The Spirit sustained Jesus in the wilderness and empowered his healings and then raised him from the dead. That is the Spirit inside of you, which fell like tongues of fire on the huddled, frightened disciples and birthed a powerful movement of God that stretches through the centuries and countless healings and countless words and prophecies through to you today and is with you and in you, see the Spirit of God is breathing in you. In the word of God, we must breathe in. But there's a problem. <laughs> Before I get to that problem, I wanna, I was just thinking about my kids. My kids are getting older and they're they're still they're still young. But I don't know if you've ever experienced this as a parent where they will, um, they'll skin their knee, or they'll bonk heads with another kid. You know that like dense watermelon kind of bonk, where like bonk, and you hear it, and you're like, oh, or they'll fall down the stairs. And then there's this moment of silence right after it happens. You know what I'm talking about? When you're like, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. They're going to be fine. Or the worst scream I've ever heard in my life is going to come out of them, like blood-curdling scream. You know what I'm talking about? And if you look at their face, this is what they're doing but nothing's coming out, you know what I'm talking about? That moment, I hate that moment, I hate that moment where they're in so much pain, but they're not breathing, and all you want to do is say, breathe, right? I think that's how we are, where we have this pain in our life, our brokenness, our hurts, our pain, or depression, and we're just like holding it in, and we're just living in that moment of pain, and there's, there's no comfort and I don't know what that is for you. I, I don't know. You might be holding your breath so long you don't even realize you're doing it, but there's pain, depression and hurt or betrayal or, 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 or it's a divorce. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but there's this pain inside of us and we have the breath of life that we could be breathing in, but we're just sitting in this moment and just begging, begging to breathe. I think we rarely breathe in the Holy Spirit and spiritually we, we have our breath held when we could be having the power of the Holy Spirit moving through. My son Theodore, he uh, made up a game that he is sure that we made up, which we didn't. But the game is, it's around the table and everyone has to guess and you say, what does a uh, what does a park ranger need to do his job? And then you come up with one in your head, and everyone just guesses. It's a great game for kids. But one of the ones that my son um, picked was a fireman. What does a fireman need to do his job? And so we guessed like a helmet and a Dalmatian and all these kinds of things. And his answer was a fire extinguisher. Wow, that's a great that's a great answer. And then he goes, wait a minute, fire extinguishers. What do they have inside of it? And I'm like well, it's kind of like this chemical foam or this chemical material. And they're like, but that's not water. How, how does that put out the fire? And I said to them, well, it, it gets rid of all the oxygen. And then the fire goes out because it has nothing to burn. See, fire needs oxygen to burn. And the think for us, because we haven't breathed in the presence of God, we just starved ourselves of the oxygen and we need to burn. And the passion is gone. We can't even feel it. We can't even feel anything because we're just not breathing in the presence of God. And it's interesting to me how physically sometimes we're way better than we are spiritually. I've spent the last 20 minutes talking about breathing and no one here has been saying to themselves, now remember, breathe in. Oh, good, now breathe out. (sighs) All right, now breathe in. All right, and breathe out. (sighs) No one's doing that (laughs) because we know, see, what's natural physically needs to become true of us supernaturally. This breathing in the presence of God, in and out and in and out. How do we do that? Well, it takes practice. It takes time. In fact, today is about experiencing that and doing that together. But what happens is some of us don't even know that we have been given this gift. So we don't even know we're supposed to breathe. So you may be even hearing, like right now, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And we're just sitting in this moment of, like, I, I can't breathe, but I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to do this. The good news is that God breaks in, He does things. The first time I experienced the Holy Spirit was being prayed for by someone else, He breaks in. Another illustration to help you understand how this works. Uh, if you have a baby, like a really young baby, which I don't want to have any more of those, I'm good. <laughs> Grandbabies, let's do it. Like not now, but like wait, wait a couple decades. But anyways, but I love babies. But as a father, I was always terrified. I would always wake up in the middle of the night and run down the hallway because I was afraid they weren't breathing. Right? And I don't know if they figured out how to do this right yet. But the worst is when you're holding a baby and they're upset. And they do that same thing where they start to scream, but they don't breathe. And then their face starts turning purple, you know? And you're like, breathe, 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 please breathe. And they're just, they'll do it. It feels like two minutes. And I hate, it. my first child, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. But my second child, I don't know who, told me a trick. And if you know the trick, it saves so much pain in your, in your own heart as you're watching your baby not breathe. Blow on their face. Have you ever done this on a baby? I mean, just don't go around blowing on baby's faces. But like, but if the baby is crying and you go... It triggers the bradycardic reflex, which means that the baby will go, because it's trained to, as a baby, have this reflex that when it's blown on, it breathes in. Isn't that crazy? Man, I feel like when we are in the faith, we need those moments where we're not breathing. We don't know how to breathe, and we don't know what to do, and God just breaks in and blows. And all of a sudden, we go, so I'm going to tell you, this isn't all on you. It's on you to position yourself to breathe. But if you don't know how, God's going to break in and breathe for you. He's going to show up. And that's what being in this room is about. Being in this room is about breathing for each other once in a while. Like, hey, breathe. Wait, hey, hey, breathe. Breathe. Hold on, breathe. Like, you know, slap him a little bit. Like, breathe. No, don't do that. (laughs) Breathe in the presence of God. Some of us don't know how to experience the Holy Spirit. We don't know how to do this in, in Scripture. We look at this as the words on the page in the order that it's supposed to. So if I understand the order of the the words and the way it's supposed to, then it'll be good, right, right? No, 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 It, it is that, yeah, for sure. But it's more than that. It's about the presence of God breathing through it. So stop going to the scriptures to figure out what the answer you're looking for. Instead, go to find Jesus, go to find the Holy Spirit, and you will find him. Lectio Divina is an incredible exercise that you can do that helps you read the word of God and listen to the Holy Spirit to do that. Some of us don't expect to go to church and experience the Holy Spirit. We don't walk in here this morning together. We don't experience the Holy Spirit. We don't expect them to just do something, do something in others and in me. We're not showing up with an expectation, but more of a passive experience. Like, well, whatever happens, I'll show up. The Holy Spirit is here. And then sometimes when we pray, we don't expect to hear anything from God. We just want to pour out our heart, which is good. But sometimes we're just putting prayer requests on God's lap, and we're not listening to, to the answers. And the answers are often about peace and about speaking life into us, about breathing, breathing in the presence of God. And some of us are too scared to open ourselves up to a movement of the Holy Spirit. We find comfort in words that were written long ago but don't want to know the person who is breathing them into life right now because it's scary and it's difficult and it's hard. Oh, I wish I could breathe for you. (laughs) But God wants to breathe in you, and he will, and we're going to do this together. In fact, uh, I want to invite the worship team back on stage and David back on stage to help me because we're going to move into a time of doing this together so that we're not alone, that we can breathe in the presence of God together. When you starve a fire of oxygen, it dies, but the reverse is true if you feed it the breath of God, if you feed air into a fire, it grows and it becomes something different. It becomes something bigger. It grows. for us, we're going to learn how to do that, to fan into flame the gift of God that is in us so that if Jesus were to come back today like the Pharisees, we would not miss him, but we would know who he was. We would have the wisdom and the awareness to sense the spirit of God move, And we aren't going to miss what God is going to do in this church, but greater than this church in Canton, because there's a move of the Spirit that is coming, and we won't be ones who miss it, but we'll be part of it. How? Breathe. Breathe in the presence of God. So David, I'm so glad that you're here. And we've been talking this week about this process and this moment, um, a chance to breathe in the presence of God and, and do it together. And, um, you had some thoughts. You had some thoughts about how we can do this and why we do this and your perspective. We hear you sing, which is great. Yeah. But we don't always get to hear you talk, nope. which is, is pretty good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. So tell us, tell us <laughs> about your heart for worshiping this morning.
0: Uh, you know, just like you were saying earlier that the the breath of god is all around us yeah. and we're uh our, our job is to breathe that in and out and sometimes our job is to remind others to do that as well
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so <clears throat> where that comes in is i think a lot of times we'll get caught up in preference inside mm. of worship music or how it sounds, how it's mixed, if uh, I'm singing flat or I'm singing sharp or I don't like that one, so I don't really want to engage in it. And um, just, I, I guess, a little bit about me. Sometimes I don't like the songs that we do. <gasps> what? Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. Now everybody's um, going to try to figure out which song you don't like.
0: Yeah. I mean, Have fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but there's, there's a reason why we're doing it, and the reason is beyond my preference and my... Um, and, 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 and frankly, it's be beyond your preference as well. Um, and So sometimes our job is to be obedient to what God is doing in this place and to participate in it and then to help breathe the breath of God into other people. Yeah. And so that action doesn't always look like this is what I want. Sometimes it looks like I hate this song, but I'm going to be obedient and <laughs> sing into it anyways because maybe the person yeah. next to me needs to have a little <laughs> bit of encouragement to step out yeah. in faith to start singing and experience God. Yeah. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us creating a sense of belonging in this room that teaches other people. that says, you too can experience God here. His breath is present. Yeah. Breathing in.
1: Yeah. I love that. It's this idea of like God. It's like us reminding each other to breathe, breathe. Right. Because you, you don't know what the person next to you walked in with. No. You don't know. You don't know the pain they're in. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know their past. Maybe you could ask them about it sometime. That'd be good. But like, you don't know. And they could be sitting in that moment where they're screaming silently. They don't even know how to breathe. In your singing, in your worship, in your participation, they're encouraged to breathe in the very air they need to exist. That's powerful.
0: And I think there is a huge... There's a vulnerability, especially inside of song, of, um, I think we're often timid to share our voice because it's, uh, what if I'm flat? What if I sound bad? The person next to me is going to hear that. Um, And so that can cause us to be reserved. And then what ends up happening is uh, the person next to you is going to be reserved because they don't want to be the only person singing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't matter how we sound. I mean, if, frankly, if you're a terrible singer and you're blasting through the pipes next to somebody, I mean, they may be like, cool, I'm not alone. <laughs> I
1: also am that good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, love, I love the corporate nature of the worship we can do together. And so I want us to do that. But today's going to look yeah. a, little, a little different. And so um, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing the first song, which is, is, is about allowing the breath of God to move through us. Right. And so it's a very invitational song. And so if you want, um, and, and in a second I'll, I'll ask you to stand, but know that this entire time, these next three songs, you can stand, sit, kneel. Uh, you can hoot, you can holler, you can be quiet. Do you know, and, and we're going to move through this um, moment, and I'm going to share a couple of the pieces of the vision, um, the two more pieces of the vision for you as we move along. But know that this is a time for you to encounter Jesus together. Um, So let's worship, let's pray, um, let's sing. And if you want to, oh, one thing. one, One
0: last thing about specifically on this song that we're about to sing, it's called Fall Afresh. And we worship God who is infinitely creative. And one of the things that I love about a creative God is you can ask him to do more creative things. So when we show up, sometimes we expect God to meet us the way he did last week or the way he did before. And we try to recreate these moments, these exact same moments with God. Why are we doing that? Why are we limiting God, who's infinitely creative, to meet us in the exact same way? So this song is asking God, it's saying, God, would you fall afresh on me? Would you meet me in a new way so that I am filled up in you and I pour out to the community around me? So this song, this is your prayer today, is God, would you meet me in a new way? Would you do your creative thing and meet me here so that I can carry that and overflow into the community that's around me? I guess. Let's do it. So if you guys want to stand up, if you want to, uh, if you want to kneel, that's fine. Uh, but I would encourage you to participate. That's the big thing here. And I know it's new, and I know it's uncomfortable, but let's step outside ourselves for the people that are around us. Let's do it.
1: we continue on this path, um, I want to give us a chance to grow in it. One of the things that um, David and I have talked about is, is uh, if we do the same things the same way all the time, we're going to get the same results. And, and if we want to experience the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's just about positioning ourselves in a little bit of a different way. You know, it's not about causing it. It's not about making it. It's not about forcing it. Sometimes the place we were sitting wasn't the right place. (laughs) So, David, tell me a little bit about like one of the things we talked about this week was how to challenge people in worship, specifically corporately, to do this.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's about just shaking it up. For me personally, I had always been modeled a contemplative posture of just pray the lyrics, and uh, which is fine. Like that's a great way to connect with God. But for me, as an expressive individual, it was stifling me, and it turns out I'm very expressive, and it was so good for me to to realize that, like, I need to worship in the way that God created me to do it, but I was scared to do that because I was afraid of what somebody else next to me would think if I opened up my mouth and it came out flat, or if I opened up my hands because the person next to me was so contemplative was letting my own pride stand in the way of connecting with God. So, sometimes it's important for us to try something we haven't before or something you've always wanted to but you've been nervous to do it, and I'm going to give you permission to do it right now. So, I mean if you I mean if you want to get on your knees and pray while we do this song, get on your knees and pray while we do this song. I said it's fine. Go ahead and do it. And if 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 you've always wanted to lift your hands out in worship, but you've always been nervous to do it, then move your hands out. And the reason why we do that with our, physically with our body, sometimes that can communicate a posture of worship uh, towards God. Our hands are open. We're saying, God, whatever you have for me, I'll take it. But also whatever I hold in my hands, I gladly give to you. Two different ideas. So try the posture. Try... Singing if you've never sung before. Try kneeling if you've never kneeled before. Try standing if you don't usually stand. Try bringing your hands out if you don't express yourself that way in a normal setting. And so we're doing songs this week that you're not used to so that you can try something new because you're not going to fall into your habit.
1: And nobody else knows what they're doing. No. So that's good too. Yeah, we're all <laughs> in this together,
0: right? Yeah.
1: So what I want to do is, is that is the, is the instruction. Um, I want to share the second part of this vision I have for you, and then I'm going to call some of you to follow Jesus. And out of that, we're going to go into this place uh, where we worship God. So in that movement, do what you need to do. You need to stand, stand. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to raise your hands way up, you need to move. you need to dance, whatever you need to do to try something different, breathe in the presence of God. So during this moment where I'm seeing this incredible vision, I'm telling you, I'm feeling this. There's a point where I realized that I was not alone. That they were there surrounding me. Many of you, your faces were there, but also thousands, tens of thousands, millions, all surrounded this throne, this lion who is roaring all of all of us. And we're just standing there and everyone's there. And all of a sudden that roar that was stripping away all this brokenness, like I could feel it just coming off of me. It hits them and it's like a wave. And the words of truth hit them, and it's like they were had like this black plaster all over them, and it was ugly, and it was hiding what was underneath. And as the word of God spoke, it broke away, and everyone was there for it. They were there experiencing it. And What happened? What was revealed underneath was who God created them to be. Is just all of this brokenness and sin and pain and lies just falling off people as God spoke. The beauty of it is these revealed individuals just started running. They just started running to God. They just started running to him. There was this revealed, this redeemed people who ran after God. And there are those of us in the room who need to be reminded of that. We need to re-say, yeah, this is who I am. I'm revealed. I've been made new. I've reclaimed my identity in Jesus. I'm learning who I am for those of us who need to respond. Because in that image, there were people who ran away. They stayed with what was normal and good and broken, and they ran. And that's the story of the word of God, is the people running, running from the presence of God. Don't be that person. Turn to Jesus. So I'm going to pray and bless this next song to ask some of you to turn to Jesus in this moment. Let's pray. God, there are those who need to turn to you, to run into your arms. They need to be made new and made whole and the brokenness to be taken from them. They need someone to pay a price for them. Jesus, you were that person. You were worthy to open the scrolls because you were the one who paid the price You are worthy to be praised because you're the one who died for us even though we didn't deserve it. So for those who want to turn to you, would they pray something like this? Would they talk to you? Say, I am broken. and You can say that out louder in your heart. Say, I'm broken. I need someone to rescue me. I will never be right with God on my own. But for Jesus... I believe that Jesus, he died for me and he rose again so that I could have a new life. And so I leave everything, every decision I can make behind and I pick up a new way. The way of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The way of God. Make me new, make me whole. Speak over me and break off all of the things of this world. The lies, the pain, the depression, the hurts, and the sins I've committed. And make me new. And I will follow you the rest of my days. God, in this moment we, we run into your arms. And as we stand, as we kneel, as we do that now, as we prepare our hearts, God, we run to you. Line with you. Man. Yeah. one last moment you could stay where you're at as I was watching as I was experiencing this moment as everyone ran we all got to this mountain and all these revealed people these redeemed people these shining people who are in the presence of God they started to do something you see when the lion would roar the word of God would speak they would roar back they would yell back. They would scream back. They would praise. And it was this call and response, this breathing out and this breathing in. And I'm telling you, the feeling of God and the thunder rolling over us was, was better, but just barely. And the th- sound of millions of voices screaming and yelling in response. Prepare the way, the Lion of Judah. They were roaring in response. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to respond. God, We're going to respond to what he is doing and how he has transformed us. And that involves singing. That involves getting excited. And so this moment, what we're going to do together is we're going to celebrate together. So I want everybody to get to their feet. I want everybody to sing. Go ahead, get to your feet. Everybody sing and get after this. Let's sing together what God has done. Respond. And even if you're feeling right now, I think there's a couple in here. are just not quite feeling it. It's okay. That's okay. In God's time, in his way, he's going to breathe on you, and you're going to breathe him in. Be patient for what God is going to do as he moves. But let us do a little breathing for you. Let us get excited for you, because we believe in a God that is greater and more powerful and more beautiful than anything, and we will be exploring him forever. So sing the song with us. Let's respond to who got it. God's not done with us. And if you're struggling, just know he's with you. Now the party might be going on later today with you as you go out into the world and breathe out the presence of God. And some of you might be struggling, and you heard me say the first time I experienced the Holy Spirit is when someone prayed for me. So if you're in this pain, if you're in that moment where you're like, I'm not breathing, you need to Come forward. Get some prayer. I invite the prayer team to come up. Some of our pastors will be up here as well and pray with you. Don't leave here without experience in the power of Jesus Christ. Second, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to journey with you. Please fill out that Connect card. Let us know you made that decision so we can walk with you. You can also take it to the Welcome Center, get a free gift, meet some of us, come to meet the pastor, those kinds of things. If you follow Jesus, though, let us know we want to celebrate with you. Finally, We want you to be part of what we're doing here. God is moving in our community in a huge way. And he's breathing out. And we want you to be part of that. And by being part of that is participating and being here and doing all this, but also by giving. There's a power when we invest what God has given us back into him. The song we didn't sing today that I kind of wanted to was was the song, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs. So we pour out our praise. It's this idea that God gave us the very breath we breathe. And so we get to pour it out in praise to him. He did the same with the money and gifts he has given us. And so we pour it back again. So I encourage you to give. Go online, set up recurring giving, give for the first time, and give in the box on the way out. I encourage you to do that. Part of what God is doing as he transforms our community. I want to pray over you. Um, I was going to pray over you, but I thought it would be better for us not just to say amen by saying amen together and say let it be, but to say amen like we might if we were surrounding a mountaintop top with millions of people shouting out, getting excited. So in a minute, hold on, I'm going to count to three. I want you to get excited about Jesus. I want you to yell. I want you to shout, whatever you need to do. And here's my challenge to the men in the room. Men, it better be at least as loud as you get for football. All right, do at least for Jesus. Do at least at least that for Jesus. Yeah, let's do that together. So on three. One, two, three.
2: See you next week.